Hello, and welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. We are your hosts. I'm Caroline Zook. I am someone. What if I just forgot? What if I completely blanked on who? I'm Jason Zook. Lord, have mercy. This episode, we are talking about confidence. So we're sharing about all types of different confidence, our tips for business confidence, namely. But then about halfway through the episode, (laughs) it takes a turn. We get into kind of body confidence and confidence of our physical appearance. And by our, I mean mine specifically. And (laughs) an interaction that happened in our relationship a couple of months ago. And we kind of break down that whole interaction for you and how words that you say to somebody can have a dramatic effect on their confidence, but also what, you know, how to overcome that in order to do something that you really want to do, but maybe you don't feel very confident in. Yeah. So we hope that you actually do walk away with this episode with maybe some keys or tips on how to get more confidence in your life in a different aspect of your life. But hopefully you also just see us as two human beings who are flawed and make mistakes, especially one of us in this episode. No. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, hope you enjoy this episode on confidence. Here we go. Take it away, Jason and Carol. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. This episode brought to you by Crisp Cold Natural Light. When you're looking for a drink on the go and you're someone who enjoys a nice beer, Natural Light has you covered. A little bit of carbonated water, a little bit of pee. This is not, uh, yeah, this is not at all sponsored by any alcoholic beverage that tastes like horse pee, is what I would say. How do you know what that tastes like? You know what I wouldn't mind a sponsor of, though, is like... Spindrift? Um, no, like a tequila brand, I would be totally down for. Your boy likes a nice. Ooh, tequila. I thought about this. Uh, we should make a tequila. No, we should do a nighttime episode with wine. Get you a little glass of wine. Yeah. So it gets a little rowdier. Yeah, I just I figured, like that. Yeah, you might enjoy that. You might enjoy a little wine episode. Maybe in a. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, this episode though is not about that. This episode is about confidence. What gives us the confidence to be able to say things like horse pee for the general public to consume? I don't know where you want to take this entire episode. I know there are a lot of avenues, but the one thing that I think would be an interesting place to start. Go on. What gives us the confidence to create a show like this? A podcast, a YouTube show. I will tell you the answer to that. We're just two normal people who are not famous in any way. We have just like the tiniest of little audience ever. What gives us the confidence to do this? Many, many years of putting ourselves out there and, and trying things and recognizing that it's not as scary as we think it is to do something like that. So that's one part of it Mm -hmm. is what gives us the confidence is knowing that we have some experience to draw on of trying things similar in the past. The other thing is knowing that we, that our story and our voice matters And that every person on this planet has a different perspective that they bring to the world and that each one of those perspectives is equally valid. And I think that's where confidence has to start is you looking at yourself and going, you know what? My voice matters. You know what? I matter. And I know it's not 
you know, as easy, it's easier said than done for many people. Um, where do you think that that, let's start with the second piece of that. Cause I, I know we'll talk about the experience and things that we've tried and building up our confidence over time, but I also have one more piece. So if you can oh. remember your two, what are your two? So my two are experience yeah, and then a belief that you're good enough. Well, that you matter. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People love you. What's that from? Uh, it was an old Saturday night live skit, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I correctly did it, but it was a guy who stood in front of a mirror and he would go, Oh yeah. Up, I do remember that. Enough, gosh, darn it, was that Jim Carrey? Something like that. No, it was a much older actor. Um, oh, I think, yeah. anywho, uh, my third thing to add to that was, yeah, I think when you know what the ultimate outcome of something like this is, mm-hmm. it becomes so much easier to start doing it. So for us, the ultimate outcome, the reason why we're doing this show is that we wanted to make a show that we would have wanted to watch. So that doesn't mean anything about viewership numbers. That doesn't mean anything about accolades we would get from it. We just wanted to have conversations about things that we would want to listen to from the perspective of a couple. So I don't think that's actually the ultimate outcome because I think actually it's the opposite. I think very rarely do you ever try something or do an endeavor where you know the ultimate outcome. I think it's more what you're saying is the intention behind it. The intention and also the... Those words are so easy to get confused. Ultimate outcome. No, outcome and intention. They just, it's the same. Like when They're, I say them, I'm like, oh, what's your intention, outcome? Oh man, I just slipped up again. They're so close. You know what I mean? I get that you're being sarcastic, but I guess I can see how you could confuse them because when your intention is strong, like you know that your outcome is going to be related to whatever wow. that intention is. Huh. But what I think is the underlying intention of what you're trying to do and then also how you're measuring your own success. Right. Not is it by external metrics, which are the numbers, the views, that whatever, or is it by internal metrics, which is what we try to measure things by, which is how close does it come to our original intent? Mm-hmm. Is it living up to the promise of what we set it out to do? So if we're trying to make a show that we would have wanted to listen to and we would have wanted to watch, we didn't feel like there was a lot of people talking about intentional business, also blending it with life, talking about being a couple, how to, you know, t- touching on these different life topics integrated with business. So as long as we're showing up and doing that, the metric is, hey, we're doing what we set out to do. Right. Okay. So you wanted to explore the second one of yours? Yes. The second pillar so for of me, confidence? For me, confidence, and I've done a lot of thinking about this. I just came back from an event where I literally gave a whole talk on confidence, which I don't want to rehash for you. Um, but I'm sure I will touch on ideas about it because I've been thinking a lot about it lately. And for me, confidence, I always describe it like a chicken and the egg scenario, which is that in order to build confidence, you have to put yourself out there and take some risks so that you can go, oh, that wasn't that scary and whatever. But in order to put yourself out there, you feel like you need confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I describe it as this like merry-go-round where you can't really figure out how to get on. And so I think back to like my early days of Made Vibrant when it was a design studio. And I was a self-taught designer just saying, hey, this is maybe a creative skill that I have that people might pay me for. But I had very little confidence in my ability to actually make money doing that thing. And I remember every time I would send off an email, like somebody would email in or a referral from a friend or whatever, and I would send off a proposal. And I had such little confidence in somebody saying they wanted to work with me. Um, but it was because I hadn't done it very much. And so I was like, how do I get this momentum going when I feel terrified every time to do that? But I know that the more I do it, the less terrified I'll feel. And for me, the way that you do that is it has to start from a place of belief, which is like, you know what? I believe that I have something of value to offer here. I believe that I have creative skills that are worth paying for. And that has to come from within you. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying by the second one is 
also I think it's tied to a belief that your voice matters or that your skills matter or that you matter. Mm -hmm. So my question was, where do you think that that do you think that that was inherent in you? Do you think that you like, how did you uncover? Cause I do think that that seed of belief is within all of us, but I think that a lot of times things kind of bury it, right? Like people, maybe we try something, it doesn't work out. Our parents tell us we're not good enough. Our friends make fun of us, like whatever those external factors are. But where does that seed of belief come from within you? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if it stems from a seed of belief as much as it stems from me constantly asking the question, what's the worst that's going to happen? And if I actually address what I think the worst thing that's going to happen, most of the time, because my brain is so weird, it's like a super like fictitious fantasy thing. Like I fall in a well, the well's filled with scorpions. I'm completely nude. I catch on fire. No one's there to help me. And I die this horrible death in a well covered in scorpions on fire naked. Also, that's live broadcasted to everyone in the world. Of course. Right. So And recorded for posterity. If that's the played every year on the same date. Yeah, Jason Scorpion Death Date. Uh, <laughs> October twelfth. It's just every year. Um, if that's the worst case scenario that my crazy brain can think of, okay, now let's think of an actual worst case scenario. Yeah. Uh, let's take the show for example. No one listens or no one watches. Okay. Like yeah. that's a, that's a like okay, so we've just wasted time is right. all we've done. But again, we're not doing this just so that a lot of people watch. We're doing it so that the right people watch that are already listening to our stuff are already viewing our stuff. And so I think for some people, like let's take a step back to when we don't have an audience, we don't have anything. So like specifically when I started I wear your shirt, mm-hmm. how did I have the confidence to go down this crazy path during a really weird time in the economic system in a time where I had a very comfortable job working for myself already? Like why did I want to do this? Maybe that's not as important, but like how did I have the confidence to step up and do this? And it's because I did exactly that. I went, what's the worst that's going to happen. Right. I'm going to make a website. It's going to cost me nothing because I own a web design company. I'm going to get some photos taken, which was like 200 bucks. Uh, I'm going to put myself out there on the internet and some people might make fun of me. And there wasn't even really a lot of social media going on at the time. So like, it's not even a lot of people could do that. Nowadays you could get roasted quite a lot more, but that stuff like it's such a flash in the pan. There's something new every single day that people can get caught up in. And I think for all of us, the worst case scenario that we think of is like people are making fun of us or things get shared around and it's embarrassing. And it's like, yeah, but for how long? And you just move on, you create something else. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, I do think that you're a little bit uniquely qualified because you have somehow figured out how not to care what people think of you. But I don't think most people are like that. And I do think that that barrier to entry of needing that confident, like, needing that confidence to be able to do something, even if it means like for some people, the worst case scenario is that people point and laugh and make fun of them. And that feels like that's not a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah. And and so what advice would you give to them? I I think you just have to have experiences that challenge you in ways where you can gain that confidence, just like you said. And so for an example, I don't know her name and I feel bad. I think it's Michelle, the hello fears at hello fears on Instagram, Mm -hmm. Michelle. So she did this thing where she did, she tested a hundred fears in a hundred days in a hundred days. And I don't even know much about the project, but I know just from thinking about it, I mean, that woman has now experienced so many things she never would have experienced that now almost anything she comes up against is probably going to feel easy to her, or she's going to think about what's the worst case that's going to happen. This wasn't as bad as like when I did X. And then I had this comparison to go, I have an experience that I thought was going to be really bad. And guess what? It didn't turn out to even matter. Well, that's what I think is the golden nugget there, which is that the worst case scenario of people pointing and laughing is so much worse in our heads oh, than it is yeah. 
in real life. And even if it does hurt, like even if you do embark on something and people are in the comments trolling you or whatever, that does hurt. I'm not minimizing that pain at all, but you survive and you go, oh yeah, but at least I did that. And at least I tried and you develop, and even going through that experience gives you real data in order to develop the, those tactics to say, you know what, those are as Brene, call, Brene Brown calls them the cheap seats. Like yeah. I'm actually, unless you're in the arena, yeah. putting yourself out there, doing things that are, that require you to risk some type of vulnerability. I am not interested in your opinion. Yeah. And so you never give yourself the ability or the opportunity to develop the skills in order to minimize that, that fear of rejection. If you don't take these tiny steps in order to build courage. Yeah. And I think one thing about confidence that's so interesting is that it, it, like probably most things in life, it's very nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. So if we go back for me specifically, yeah. I grew up with a lot of change. I moved around a lot. And I remember distinctly in going to four different high schools, I was the new kid in high school four times. Yeah, That sucks. That's not fun. And I remember the first time, really difficult. The second time, pretty difficult. The third time, still kind of difficult. The fourth time, I was just done. Yeah. You know, like, you, and I think that that is the same thing you could apply to anything you want to do in life is just do that thing multiple times and realize, oh man, it was hard the first time. It was, it was hard the second time. Oh, it was, yeah, it was hard the third time, I guess, but not that bad. Oh, the fourth time, guess what? Wasn't that hard. Yeah. And, and think, not just hard, but scary. Yeah. And I think for anything that anybody wants to gain confidence in, it's about doing a repetitive act that lessens the worst case scenario you think is going to happen. Exactly. I call that lessening because I think a lot of where the fear comes from is the uncertainty. Of course. What's on the other side the, of me trying well, this thing? The scorpion. The, all of that. Nude. This nudity. could be your new uncertainty well, if you, <laughs> yeah. if you want. But what happens is with repetition and as I call it with practice, as you do it over and over, that uncertainty lessens a little bit. Yeah. And so you go, oh, I actually have real data points to use like a scientific term. I have data points through my experience that tells me this, these are the things that might happen. And so your uncertainty goes from here to here. And then, like you said, the next time it's here. And with that uncertainty, the fear goes down as well. And it yeah. becomes easier and easier as you were saying. So that's a really key part of it. Um, I think another thing, like speaking of the whole nature and nurture thing, or whatever, cause I think about building confidence as a kid, one important thing that I think is a mindset shift that people need to make about confidence is that it is not a personality trait. Like people think that there are just confident people and not confident people. People think that there are some people, and that might be true that somebody has been gifted with an ability or the social, like whatever makeup that allows them, or maybe like they're more risk tolerant. So maybe they're taking bigger risks or whatever, but it is not a black and white issue. And what that says to me is you can build your confidence intentionally. You can do things in order to put yourself in scenarios where you try something and then you try more and then you get more confident over time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's, if you look at the things that we are born with as, as children, as little babies, I mean, it's like it's science has proven that fear is not one of those things. Like fear is a learned behavior. Really? Yeah. Uh, so you don't think like an instinctual fear? Fear is a learned behavior. We're not born with fear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then things like confidence, you could say like things like that. So I think about all these things that at some point in your life, you have learned something or you've experienced something. And so I think for many people, what could be really helpful is if let's say you wanted to do public speaking or you wanted to put your own website out into the world, or you wanted to go approach someone at a bar, but you have this like crazy weight on your body, your soul, your mind of you can't do this. Well, where does that really stem from? Like what event can you think of that right. happened that may be triggering this feeling? And then actually go back to that and go, 
was that really that bad? Mm -hmm. And if it was a really bad traumatic thing in your life, haven't you moved on? Like, or like, are you okay? Did right. you survive? Have you been able to cultivate friendships? Do you feel like you were like excommunicated from society? No, probably not. Right. So just like, and, and in therapy, we call that reprocessing, right. like being able to go back to those traumatic events and now with a more fully formed mind and, and the type of therapy that I do, which is really powerful. EDM. It's not called EDM. It's not. No, it's, it's, it's not that. Therapy, therapy, oh, therapy. That, that sounds fun though. Yeah. It's EMDR. Okay. So shout out to our mental health episode. Dr. Annie, Dr. Annie. That's right. And part of that therapy is through a technique developed, it allows you to reprocess that trauma in a way that you can integrate kind of your left brain and your right brain. But anyway, that's technical and all that stuff. But I think your point is really valid, which is, to try to uncover where that source of fear or anxiety is coming from, which is kind of what I was saying too, which is if you don't feel that you can believe in yourself and the validity of your creativity or your voice or the things that you want to put out into the world, just taking some time to maybe even like journal or think about where those sources of, of ideas have come from that, or what are the outside forces that have made you not believe in yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, because the second you can unpack that, you can go, Oh, well, that's not true. That came from outside of me. And so you can kind of, I always talk about belief, like the seed that confidence grows from. And so sometimes that seeds within all of us, but sometimes people just came along and put dirt on it and we can't see it anymore. And so it's kind of like peeling back the dirt and being like, Oh, there it is. Like, I do actually believe in myself. It's just that these words that people have have told me from their own insecurities have made mm-hmm. me somehow believe that I'm not valid or that my story isn't valid. Yeah. And that, that goes a lot to like the, the Jim Rohn quote of you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And if you spend time with people who are Debbie Downers, guess what? You're probably going to be a Debbie Downer to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you sp- spend time with people who aren't chasing their dreams or their big goals or putting themselves out there, it's probably going to be hard for you to do that because you're not going to have a support group of people who are doing that around you. Yeah. And I, very selfish shameless shout out to our wandering Ainfleet community. I feel like we've cultivated a group of people who are very interested in being around like-minded people who are pushing themselves, who are doing things. And I would say a lot of those people in that group don't identify with themselves as being confident Mm -hmm. yet being in that group has probably given them confidence. Yeah. And also I feel like there's a culture of encouragement in there, which is like, if you are one of those people who needs to offset some of that negativity with people who are saying, Hey, you know what? You should believe in yourself because look at all these great things about you. Like it's a very encouraging community, which I really like about that. And sometimes we do need people to come along and kind of breathe that belief into us, but it has to, it has to be there first because my friend Ashley at that camp was like, if someone comes along and tells you something about your skills or whatever, or, or they see something in you, you're going to brush it off. If you don't believe in yourself, you're going to say, Oh, well, they're just saying that, or they're just being nice or blah, 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 blah. It has to start with you. And I will say that I think if I had one leg up in the confidence department, maybe it's through parenting, maybe it's through my own, like my Enneagram for individualist mindset. But from a really young age, I just always felt like I had something to say. Like, I just always felt like I, I had a unique perspective. I had a way of seeing the world and I, that was my baseline was like, this is valid. That doesn't mean that it was easy for me to like cultivate my skills or share my work or ask for money. Like all those things take practice and take, you know, courage and all, all of that. But I was starting from a baseline of just going, you know what? I think that I have something to contribute here. And I think if you're somebody who struggles with confidence, it has to start from there. And just like, as you said, being like, I'm enough, Mm -hmm. I'm enough as I am. And 
that's where it all can kind of grow from. Just as a little aside, where can people learn more about Ashley? Because she's super inspirational. Super. So I, yes, if you go to theimperfectboss.com. Okay. That's where you can find her the stuff. Theimperfectboss.com. Theimperfectboss.com. She's, yeah, crazy. She has a crazy life story. Mm-hmm. She just has all kinds of stuff that she's been through. And I think that's a person that maybe a lot of people could look to and go, wow, if she can do this, I should be able to do it too. And she talks so much about confidence and being able to build on that confidence. So shout out to her for even asking me to come to camp and talk about that topic because I really enjoyed it. And it something that I don't normally even talk about, but it mm-hmm. was like, you know... Yeah, like I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they're waiting for confidence to arrive. They're waiting for one day for them to wake up and feel confident. And the truth is, you're not just going to wake up and feel confident. You have to intentionally cultivate it through experiences and through moments of courage and tiny baby steps of putting yourself out there, you know? Now, do you think on the whole, you would consider yourself a confident person? Yes. So if you were just to go like... But only, I can only say that now through, because I've done years of experience, right? If you talk to me at the beginning of our relationship, would you have considered yourself a confident person in certain aspects of my life? Yes. In business, no. Well, yeah, because you didn't have any experience. That was exactly. So for me, it just, it is that simple. Manager at Reed's Italian Ice. That's true. You killed it. Really killed it. You killed it. (laughs) Implemented some great processes. No, I think that I really struggled with the business confidence aspect. Um, and even like we can even talk about in this conversation, because if there's one area that I wish I was more confident in, it's the female perspective of like wearing crazy things or I wish I was more confident in my like you're talking about like style, style like fashion gotcha. completely yeah. and like appearance. And because and I am like for the most part, but it's because I kind of stay in my lane. But I'm thinking of this very specific experience recently, like when a bunch of my girlfriends came in town and we were going to go do this like fun boat thing. And I ordered like a fun jumpsuit online and I wanted to like wear it and I just put it on and I couldn't, I couldn't feel confident in it. Well, I do just want to tell everyone what really happened or you want to beat well, around the bush? No, I don't. I was going to leave that up to you. But it's up to you. Do you want to, you want me to tell the story? Well, I think it's a little bit of an aside, but we can dive into it if you want. I made an offhand handed comment Yes. that the print of this, what is this called? This is a romper. It's a jumpsuit. It's a jumpsuit. Yes. Okay. You know, romp him, romp her, jumpsuit, jump track. man. Uh, those are shoes. Those are Jordans. Uh, jump man, jump man, jump man. That's a Drake song. I mean, there's a lot of, okay. you know, uh, I understand. Um, the print of this jumpsuit yes. looked similar <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna double down. Or a chair. No, 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 no. You're I, doubling down. It's not doubling down. I know, but listen. So this is why <laughs> I'm glad that we actually talked about this because <laughs> if you don't, so if you're coming from a place of already not feeling confident, the the worst thing that can happen. I didn't even get to finish what I was saying. Okay, though, go so for people it. don't know. Oh, okay. What I was saying, the like the fabric looked like a fabric of a couch in my family, and we. I don't think that was the comment. What did you say? You said it was. No, that was the comment. No, I think you said something like, it looks like a, oh, I know what you said. You said like, it looks like Foxy Cleopatra. You look like. Yeah, but I said that in like a good way. Like Foxy Cleopatra, number one is Beyonce. So that's a compliment. Number two, she looked hot. You looked hot. It doesn't, it's not about me looking hot. Okay. This is what the whole story is about. But I think this is interesting because I think it's worth sharing. It is totally worth sharing. We all, I think especially women, we we are so trained from an early age to be, to characterize our worth based on what other people see 
on the outside, right? Do I look attractive? Do I look X, Y, and Z? And so for better or worse, that is still somewhere ingrained in my mind. And so when I put something on that makes me feel cool, it makes me feel different and bold and interesting, for whatever reason, it's not enough for me to look at that and go, I feel all those things. It matters what other people are then going to perceive about me through that. I wish it didn't, but that's still in our brains. And so when, when I, when I put it on and I was like, man, like this feels confident just in me choosing to wear this. And then when it's met with ridicule, which I know you don't feel like you're taking it that way. I know that that's what you feel, but can you not understand how somebody, and this is what we talked about afterwards because we had a long discussion about what, because I had a very emotional reaction to that situation. What I was trying to communicate to you is that, is that that was a vulnerable act for me to even order it, for me to right. even put but, it on. But, and I think, I, again, like I don't know all the things we said, so let's just, we're in the now. Let's talk about it in we're the now. We're in the now. You have to understand that from the other person's conversation, male or not, it doesn't matter. I didn't know that you felt vulnerable. Right. All I saw was this attractive person that I love putting on an outfit that you don't normally wear. Right. And it triggered me to think print of a sofa. Yes. <laughs> and that is something we can both laugh at because we think it's funny. Honestly, I'm laughing now because I feel like I should laugh, but it still hurts my feelings. And the second thing is, is the joke about Foxy Cleopatra, who's a whole lot of woman. And that to me, in my mind, like you take that as ridicule and it's not trying to be ridicule, but I think what we realized in this conversation that we had before was, and this is something we've learned in the relationship just between us is like, I need to lead with the positive thing first and then figure it out. But you like it, it also, I can't be in your head for when you feel vulnerable is the, is the other thing too. So I think there's just a little bit of give and take on both sides. But I think also it requires empathy on your part to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is trying something on that they don't normally wear that's where you, I feel like, have the opportunity for growth to go, you don't need for me to tell you that. You can put yourself in my shoes and go, you know what? Like, this is what also during that conversation I was trying to bring up, which is like, how did you think it would make me feel for you to tell me that I looked like I was wearing a sofa print? Like, how did you <laughs> think that would make me feel? Do you know what I mean? And here's the really, the part that still, I think, relates back to confidence and it still hurts a little bit, which gets down to the core of it, which is... I'm trying to decide how to say this in a way that I don't want you to take this as like me trying to rehash old wounds or like a criticism. But the part that hurt the most was like, there was a moment where I put it on by myself where I felt kind of like, this looks cool. This looks different. Like I felt, I felt good about myself. And the second that you made fun of it, it robbed me of the feeling of ever being able to wear that and, and feeling that way again. Because now you've taken something that I had looked at myself and it, and I was validated internally. I was like, I feel good in this. And you brought an external validation into it where no longer can I wear it around my friends around, go out in public and feel like good about it. Do you know what I mean? I totally understand what you mean, but I do think that there's some ownership on both sides. And I think where we get into a lot of discussions in a relationship is, and I think this is where a lot of people get in discussions in relationships is you can't know what the other person's feeling or thinking unless they tell you. So even you just saying you need to have empathy, empathy for what? Like, I don't know that you're taking a big risk to wear this. I don't know that you feel like, oh, wow, I look really good. I feel like this is a step for me. And I'm just saying like, 
you can't be a mind reader on the other side of it and then also get punished like for not being a mind reader and for the thing, like it's just really difficult to be in the position of the other person. And then I think when you go to the place of like, I can never feel comfortable in this again, like to me, that's where we apply exactly what we just said 10, 15 minutes ago, which is what situation have I been in and how can I feel good about what happened in that situation or move on from it? I don't think it's about moving on though. I think it's about, like, I do think there's value in what you're saying, which is to replay that situation in your head and go, am I going to let that hold me back from ever trying something again? And hopefully the answer is no, but it's not like you, like, I think it's important to validate the feelings of that moment. You know and what I mean? And, 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 not- and going back to the empathy point, cause I think it's a really important point is you're positioning it like it's impossible for you to empathize. Like you're equating empathy with mind reading. That's not what it is to me. That's not about you going, how am I supposed to know that you're feeling vulnerable? Whatever. Instead, empathy is just going like, have you ever, and maybe that's why it's so hard for you because you just, you don't have the same feelings as a lot of people. I don't know. Have you ever felt vulnerable? Like, have you ever felt like you were afraid that people were going to make fun of you? Have you ever felt like you were wearing something different or unique and that somebody pointed something out and made you feel small? Yeah. I mean that, that I think is very, where it gets interesting of, can you be overconfident and not in the way that we immediately think of that, of like some like braggadocious person, but in the state of you have established enough confidence in who you are and what you do and what you bring to the world and and how you fit in the world that you just don't even care. And then you don't even think about how other people cannot be confident in those situations. And in which case that's where there's a lack of empathy. And I I honestly think that's where I exist. I do too. And it's not, again, like it's not the braggadocious confidence, even though, I don't know, maybe it comes off that way online. People can tell me it's fine. I I won't care. But it, it comes from going to four different high schools, going to all these different schools, being the new kid all the time, walking on as a basketball player, showing up for a group of friends I had never been, hold on like going out on my own, uh, entrepreneurially and doing my own thing, doing the Irish shirt thing, like all of those things for me have like built up this confidence muscle. And I think it is to the point where it's, it can be hard to have empathy in certain situations. Now, one where you're trying on clothing that obviously I should probably be a little bit more thoughtful about. Can you put yourself in a situation when you were changing schools where you were the new kid, where you didn't know anybody, And for your birthday, you got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle jacket that you loved. That sounds awesome. Right? Yeah. Well, the kids at school didn't think it was awesome because you showed up and you're the new kid and it's an act of vulnerability for you to wear your favorite jacket. Or maybe it's something that's like less mainstream accepted. I don't know. It's an anime jacket or whatever it is. And the cool kids, they point to you and they laugh and they say, that looks like X, Y, and Z. I mean, we can take this to a real example. Like I was bullied for having big ears. I know, but I'm, I'm equating it to vulnerability. not and, of, and just in a clothing scenario so that you can put yourself in the same shoes of, or at least relate to some type of feeling. Like, can you put yourself in that scenario for a second and try to put yourself back in those shoes as that kid who felt vulnerable and how it would have felt to you to have those kids make fun of you for that thing that you felt good in? Sure. But my intention was not to make fun of you. I know that your intention was not. But I think in your example, the intention of those kids is to make fun. 
Okay, well, that's how it felt to me. Yeah, and, and I, I... I couldn't... I still don't see how there was any other intention besides to make fun. And it was, it was only to discuss how you were doing something different and how it made me think about what you were doing. And not in a way that I wanted you to feel bad. I just wanted you to like see it in my mind how I saw it. Listen, I, I think this is, I think this is extremely interesting. It may be a little bit awkward for everyone else, but I don't, again, we I'm like not, to make it awkward. For I people. don't care. Yeah. I, and I, I fully understand where you're coming from. I, I do get it. And I think that this is where relationships become so interesting for other people to have a look in on is to see, oh, well, Jason, like you're just being a dick. Just be more empathetic. Like just think, no, that, and no I don't I'm just, I'm just saying like, I think some people will immediately go to that. And then I think other people might go, you know, like why is this such a big deal? Like you guys just get over this. It's a piece of clothing. You know what I'm saying? But I think that so many of these things, no matter what it is in your life, no matter what thing you've gone through, it can really affect you. And you have to well, figure yeah. out how and to what it proves to me is like, it's still emotional for me even thinking about that. And what it proves to me is that when it comes to confidence, like now I have the business chops to be able to feel confident about that. There are plenty of other places in my life where I've built up confidence through, you know, like experimentation and experience and all those things. The confidence thing as it relates to my external appearance or my fashion or my style or, or anything that's like a physical thing that I'm realizing runs so much deeper. And it's because of, I think cultural things it's because of gender things. It's because of all of this stuff. And the fact that even bringing up that, like the reason I said I'm laughing because I feel like I should, but it still really hurts my feelings. That was a moment of honesty for me because I recognized that I was trying to laugh because I was afraid I was going to cry. And that's because it still hurts. Like I still think of putting that on, getting made fun of, and it still hurts my feelings. And I understand that that was not your intent. And as those things that you just mentioned, I want people to walk away from this going, I really do try to see your way. And I really do. I don't think that you're just this unemotional robot. I think that your brain is so unique in the way that you experience the world that it's, that it's hard for you to, to see things the way that I see them or the way that most people see them. So I try to, I try to put myself in your shoes all the time, but, but that does not, that doesn't just make it okay. That doesn't mean that it goes away. That doesn't mean that and if there's, if there's one person in that scenario that can change their behavior, it's probably you who can just not make fun of a person when they're in a vulnerable situation. Totally. But the only way that I learn that is to experience it. Absolutely. Right. And so it's like, I have to go through this experience to now know for the rest of our relationship, how it is that you feel when it comes to your outward appearance, specifically with clothing, where you're taking a leap where you might not normally take. Right. And, but, and truth be told... I did end up wear, wearing a jumpsuit with a crazy pattern. It wasn't that exact jumpsuit. Because th that jumpsuit's garbage. It's <laughs> like a couch pattern. <laughs> but I did end up because I think there was a part of me that was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this moment define, I'm not gonna let it scare me into just wearing the same thing I'm always gonna wear. And if I felt good in that and I wanted to do something bold and I, I wanted to honor that feeling within myself, that doesn't mean that it wasn't kind of scary wearing it. And that doesn't mean that I didn't send a photo to my friends who I knew were gonna tell me that they liked it no matter what. But I needed that. I needed somebody else to say, yeah, go for it. You know. And, and I think that's a really good example of sometimes when you're seeking confidence, the, the person, your significant other, your partner, your best friend or whatever, 
if they don't understand what you're trying to do, they don't have experience in the thing that you're trying to do, you do have to seek something outside of that. And so right. specifically for Or like, you just have to say, F it, I'm just going to do it. And Or third thing is that, and I think this is where in our relationship, we really have tried to continue to do this and probably will try to do it until we're crusty old people is to be really honest with the other person when we're going out on a limb in some way or when we're feeling some way so the other person knows. Yeah, that was a big takeaway from that conversation. And listen, if I could go back, I would absolutely not say the things that I said and I would treat that situation differently. Now, that also goes down a whole path of like, we've had this discussion with me many times, which is I'm just being brutally honest with you. Like, do you want me to lie? Do you want me not to say things? Because I can do that, but to me that creates a ripple in our relationship that like there are certain things that I just have to like literally not say what I actually am thinking and say the thing that I know you want to hear so that this is a good situation. It's and that not, just gets that gets dicey. F- it does get dicey. It does get dicey, and I think you would agree that I very few times in our relationship have I ever asked you. In fact, I tell people behind your back all the time. I know that. <laughs> I was hoping this was going to go somewhere fun. <laughs> I know that you, truthfully, you're you're a hard personality for some people to understand because you're the most honest person I know. You're the most direct person I know. You say things sometimes that you do not mince words, and it's just the way that you are. I respect that so much because I know where I stand with you all the time. And I know that when you say I love you or you say I'm really happy that you're my wife or you say you're my best friend, those things, it, you mean it and it you're and it's not easy for you and, and like you mean it. Okay, so whatever you say, you mean it. And I appreciate that. However. It's also hurtful on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> that is one particular scenario where I don't think that I didn't want you to lie, but I don't think withholding information or withholding jokes is somehow not being yourself. Like, I think that's just having, I think that's just understanding a filter. Yeah. Well, I think cause some people would agree that having a filter in life to protect other people's feelings is important. I think our words have weight and I think our words have value and our words affect other people and the stories that they tell themselves. And I think that they should be wielded with care. And I don't think that it's a black or white thing where you just go, Oh, if I have to filter myself now, that's me not being myself. I think it's being a compassionate human being. Yeah. I I just, I, I think there is a bit of a gray area on when it comes to filtering based on if you're actually trying to like hurt the other person or if you're not, because I know, but experience has now told you that that's hurtful. So do you think going forward in filtering that out, would you rather be yourself and say everything that's on your mind and hurt me? Or would you rather protect me and maybe hold back a few jokes? Like well, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent protect you, but I just think it does get into like a little bit of murky waters of anyway, I think we should move on. We've been on this for a while and I don't want people to walk away from this and be like, well, that was a really, no, uh, I mean, it's non-cool. real, right? Like, no. Uh, I, and I think that the body confidence thing is, I, I, I didn't even think about that type of confidence when we said we were going to talk about confidence. Cause I was thinking about business confidence, but I think that's so telling, right? Because like, that's something I feel confident in. Right, so, so you're going to grab, obviously I, I want yeah. to share that with people and I want to, whatever, easy for me to say. Right. But when it comes to something that I don't feel as confident in, I want to share that too. And I want to share how emotional that can be. And I want to share what those fears are because I think we all deal with those different things. I have a question. Yes, sir. I have my hand raised for those of you not watching on YouTube. I'm you, to be you here in the front. Um, this is just a, a question to like finish up this topic, Okay. Uh, but maybe it'll lead into something else. 
in the situation of you putting yourself into this, this, um, risk, if you will, trying on this jumpsuit Yes. and it's putting yourself out there. It's, it's going further than you would normally go. You're out of your comfort zone. Yes. Do you improve the situation's outcome by thinking about, and, and I, I want to apply this to business and other things. Hey, I feel super vulnerable in doing this. Like I feel good, number one, but I also feel vulnerable outside of how I'm being viewed in this. Yes. Is it on me to avoid or lessen the chances of something going to hurt my confidence in the way that I feel right now to bring this up to an outsider or someone near me who could hurt my confidence? So can I give you an example outside of this right. clothing thing? So, But can I give you an example outside of this clothing thing so that it's not just this? Well, can I just answer? Because I think I get it. Sure. So what you're basically saying is, did I do myself a disservice in that scenario by actually sharing it with you first, knowing that it didn't really, like it shouldn't have mattered what you thought about it? That and, so let me give you my other example because sure, I think sure, this sure. will help. So my other example is you, um, you're a person listening to this, you want to start your own company and you want to tell your mother, father, best friend, partner, lover, your biggest enemy who you talk to all the time on Snapchat. It's weird, yeah. You want to tell that person because you're so excited about this, but you also know in your mind that if that person who's so special to you knocks you down a peg, it can really affect you moving forward with this. Mm -hmm. So is it a little bit, and I'm just gonna say onus because it's the easiest way to explain this. Is it the is the onus on you being the person who feels like your confidence might be hurt a little bit to bring up to that person in that situation, hey, I'm really putting myself out on the line here. I want you to know this is a huge leap for me. I'm not asking you just to blindly support me, but I just need you to understand that I'm feeling that your super, words have weight here. You're, I'm feeling super vulnerable in this position. Yeah. Because, and just, I think it's not the onus. It's just, it's a tactic that you can use in order to brace yourself for that reaction. Right. I also think that sometimes you also have the choice to not bring it up to that person at all. hundred percent. In our particular scenario, I didn't have that option because you were here in the house with me and it was totally. going to be unavoidable for you to see the jumpsuit in my closet. Totally. Um, but I do and, think and also I think, I think to your point, it's important when you're that person to recognize. So in looking back, I can see now that I actually brought it to you because I wanted you to say, that's super fun. Look at you doing something different. I, I was looking for your stamp of approval, which hold my hand. No, hold my hand. I know in my own messed up way saying that you look like Foxy Cleopatra, you did not take it that way. But in my mind, that was saying you look really good. Like this is, it was like a 70s different. print, just so that you guys can understand where that was coming from. But it was you, like a 70s like jumpsuit print. Do you understand that, or does it still not hold any weight at all? I still... It's okay if it doesn't. I just... I, I just want if you that's to know the that case, then I think you and I need to work on what, <laughs> how to frame compliments, which is, you look great. That looks really great on you. That's super flattering. Great print. Maybe not making references to parody movies from the 1990s. I don't know. But an extremely attractive woman in the parody I understand. Movie. Okay, also, another option. You really look like Beyonce in that jumpsuit. Yeah. I would go with that instead of... I don't know. You think that would have gone well? I don't know. Yes. But anyway, okay. so going back to my point, I just... And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, you now know looking back, yeah, I should have walked into this and been like, 
hey, before you say a single word, I'm feeling vulnerable about this outfit, but I'm also feeling damn good about it, so don't ruin this. And then I can go, I have jokes, I have thoughts, I have things, but you know what, I'm not an idiot, and I can tell what she actually needs right now because we've been together and we speak the same language in and this. I, and I care about her, and I and don't I want do her- And I do not want her to feel bad, and I love her, and she does look good, so I'm gonna tell her she looks good. Yes, I think, as you said, there is- Easier said than done, There are obviously. things that you can do on both sides in order to m- mitigate the fallout of that in the confidence- genre. Yeah. But I think it's also important to know if you're the person, if you're the Jason of this scenario, your words have weight and you have the ability to affect somebody's confidence for years, whether that's right or wrong, whether that's good or bad, that's a power that we all have over other people because our human brains are wired for belonging and connection and therefore rejection is our deepest fear. And so I think it's worth noting that we have the power to either breathe confidence into somebody or to knock it down. Totally. And I think it's also one of those things where there's a lot of nuance as well, where you can think you're making just a little offhanded remark that's not going to matter, but you don't know what the other person is Bringing feeling or, or you know, where they are. And, and I think that's where for me, like I've tried to be really careful in that, yes, I am super honest, but I'm, I'm really just super honest with my people. So like the people that I'm closest to, I'm the most honest with. And then other people, I'm just not going to comment at all. Like most of the time, I'm just going to stay completely out of commenting because I don't know how they're going to take it. So at least I do have some filter in there. Like there's something that tells me that that's not the right thing to do. I still think it's an interesting discussion for a future podcast episode, which is like, I, I understand to a degree where you're coming from. And I think it's an interesting philosophical debate, which is like by filtering yourself, by like, are you somehow depriving yourself of being your full self? And the opposite position being like, if you could spare somebody's feelings, why, by just keeping some things to yourself, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. I think it would be such an interesting, impossible thing to obviously ever know. But like going back to like Neanderthal times where you literally communicated with like grunts and, you know, things. How do you and know that? Well, just in general, like if we just hypothesize that that's sure. what they did, yeah. like, was there nuance back then? Was there filtering back then? Or was it literally just like, well, no, of what course, all is- of these, because the, someone's, the ability for somebody's feelings to get hurt are predicated on all of these cultural factors and fam- familial factors and things that have happened in your life. And like, all you know what I mean? Like it was a much simpler, I assume cultural society back then. If you could yeah. even call it a society or cultural, right? I, it was just humans, you know? Like, do you think butterflies have to filter what they say to each other? Okay. I think this is where it's devolved to the point that we need to move on. <laughs> okay. I was actually honestly curious though. Like I would be interested to know do you if think like, that- like what, what level of intelligence do you have to have to be able to understand nuance and filtering of your thoughts? Co- I think consciousness. consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Are we the only mammals that have consciousness? consciousness yeah. I mean, that we, pr- that we know right, of. Obviously. Cause there's no way to like talk to a dolphin. But I think that's actually... what they say like separates humans is that right. we have consciousness, but which we is, can think about which our is thoughts. such a human thing to say. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what other things do you want to explore with confidence? Cause I know that there's a ton more that we could go down and we don't have to like go for another hour here. I'm just, we really went hard in the paint on that. I think specific we gave scenario. some good tactical things with business confidence. And Oh, there is one point that I wanted to, um, bring up, which is a little bit related to the idea of practice and doing something over and over and over again. But we talk about this a lot in the context of creativity, which is back when I first started like sharing my creativity on Instagram, let's say, and sharing it with any type of public people, it was, I did not have as high of confidence as I have now. I was scared to do that. It felt like intimidating. However, 
we always use the analogy of like the, if I was going to share one piece of artwork a year for the rest of my life, it would feel, I would feel so much pressure on that one piece of artwork. I would probably have very low confidence in to do that. Right. Because I would just be like, this is so scary. I'm only doing it the one time. However, if I share a piece of artwork every day of the year for the rest of my life, that's infinite more chances I have to disperse the pressure and there's infinite more chances I have to have that repetition over and over again. And therefore that's going to be my ability to build up my confidence. And so that's how I think about it too, with the idea of practice, which is like, you may feel very low on the confidence radar with your creativity right now. Like you may want to call yourself a painter or an artist or a writer, but you haven't done it a ton. So you feel scared to do that. The more that you do it and the more that you share work, sort of the Austin Cleon, like share your work philosophy, the less scary it's going to become. And the more chances you have to build your confidence over time. I think what's so interesting about that example too, that is for any creative person, listen to this, creating literally anything that you're making from nothing from your own ideas. So that's art, that's music, that's podcasting, that's uh, written content, you know, articles, books, et cetera, um, whatever it is. When you create a daily piece of art, let's take that for an example. On the ninth day, you hate that piece. It looks like crap to you. You you just are like, I'm so embarrassed with this out, but you know what? I committed to doing this, I'm putting it out, right? I'm someone looking at your art on the internet and I see eight, nine, and 10, and I don't think they look any different at all. Or I can tell nine is just like, "Eh, you know, maybe she wasn't feeling it that day, but you know what? Like, I'm not judging you on the whole by this one piece, but you are because you don't feel confident about that one piece. Yeah. And I think for, for me, one of the things, especially, um, in general for my confidence overall was doing my daily videos for I wear your shirt. I remember getting into that project and it's just like you did when you did abstract affirmations was I have to make another video tomorrow. Right. So even if this one's out of focus, sounds like crap, is not framed the right way, it's not funny, it's just awful to watch, guess what? I gotta make another one and I have to move on. Also based on that point, one of my biggest revelations of doing my daily project, Abstract Affirmations in 2016, was that day nine that I thought was an absolute piece of shit. Which it wasn't, by the way, it was great. It was great. It was really good. People still are like, hey, do you sell prints of day nine? Cause that's my favorite and blah, blah, blah. And what you realize by doing something over and over and over again is that this objective thing that you're basing your work on, this, this personal taste that you have where you think you, this piece is crap and you think that this one's really great, everybody out there has different taste. Everybody out there has a different, it's all subjective, it's not objective. So this like fear that you have that something is good or bad is actually just in the eye of the, the beholder and somebody else is probably gonna love it and you're and even though you hated it and, and you only learn that by doing it over and over again, which then that lowers the barrier again of the fear of creating something because you're like, somebody will like it. And also we have almost always lived in a time that whatever you're creating, someone else is already creating and someone else's and someone else. And there's so many other people creating these things that like you could compare yourself forever till you're blue in the face, but it doesn't do you any good because it's yeah. not going to matter. The last thing about confidence too, that I want to share is I always remind myself, whatever the scary thing is that I want to do that I don't feel confident in, I remind myself what's on the other side of doing that right? Like and what, and what future am I depriving myself of by not attempting that thing, even though I have low confidence instead of what's the worst that can happen. It's like, what are some good things that can come of this? One of my like 
pieces from all of my art that has gone gangbusters is think about what could go right. right. It's the one that gets passed around the most. It's the one that gets, you know, reshared without attribution the most on Pinterest. <laughs> think, I heard that jab there. Yeah. Think about what could go right. And it's just the truth. Like for as much time as you spend paying attention to the worst case scenario, the scorpion well, create a fluffy cloud well of, of like rainbows and candy and all kinds of fun stuff that could go well too. Can I also bring up this, this might be interesting for people, especially women who are listening to this, maybe even men as well, who are thinking that's all well and good that you say that on what's like, what can go right. But Jason, the Jasons of the world are going to comment on my outfit and it's going to stick with me and it's still going to make me emotional months later. How do I get over that? And what I would say to that is, how many times have you put yourself out there wearing an outfit that you felt like was like way out of your right. comfort zone? Once in a year? Right. You know what I mean? So it's almost like do it for 30 days. And then see. Wear a funky outfit for 30. Like if you right. started wearing something crazy for the next 30 days. Well, that's the thing, right? Well, I just think it would be such an interesting thing to unpack this unresolved issue is not the right word, but that's the word that defines it the easiest with this situation that we had where you now put yourself out there over and over and over and, and we both can kind of look and laugh and go, wow, like that really was crappy the way that that was handled. But now look how much, number one, more confident you are. Number two, like how much less we care about that situation in general. Well, it's it literally is the parallel situation to the Instagram thing, right? Which is like, if you share one piece versus 30 days worth of pieces. Exactly. So it's like, if you wear the outfit one time, you take that negative reaction and you attribute it to every every scenario in the future that you could possibly do versus you test it and you do the 30 day challenge or whatever. And you go, you know what? I had 85% like positive reactions and only a couple of handful of things of people saying like, you know, jokes that made me feel bad or whatever. And actually the benefit that I got was that I felt really good and I felt really interesting and really bold. And I got to try out this fun fashion that I've always wanted to try. And I feel freer than I've ever felt. So it's like, I think you're to your point is just trying the thing and just not letting that one negative, uh, consequence define the entire experience. Yeah. I think the super actionable thing for this is no matter what it is that you want to gain confidence in, create some sort of a challenge for yourself, whether yeah. it's seven yeah. days, 30 days, a hundred days, a whole year, and repetitively do that thing over and over again in a way that you can. So if that's public speaking, try and find a whole bunch of places to speak publicly talks. In, yeah. in your local area. Toastmasters is a thing that anyone can almost go to and show up, in, especially in the US. Um, but like creating art and sharing it, start an Instagram account, start sharing yeah. it, making videos on YouTube. You like, I was just gonna bring up when I brought that example up of my Irish shirt videos. What's funny about that is that's the gift that's kept on giving because a couple of videos ago of just this show, we had an episode where the wide shot of the two of us was out of focus. And there's nothing I could do about it in post. There's nothing I could do about it during because I didn't know. And it could have totally derailed me if that was like, I do one show every couple months. But you know what? I got to do another show next week. Yep. And we got to do another show next week. And I can't let it get to me. And so what? Like, who cares? So what? Right. You know what? Like, most people are not even watching the video. Like, it's up. It's playing. It's in a different tab. And I care so much about it, but I have to let go because I got to move on. I think that's a good place to stop. That was our episode on confidence. I just want you to know that I love you. I love you, too. And 
you know, I know that that was an interaction and probably wasn't, we didn't plan to share that with the entire world, but, um, you know, that I'm okay with sharing that type of stuff and you know, I'm okay with it too. I think it's, it's what I like, love doing the most actually, because I think not enough people share the real, the real, the real, real, real. And, and I, I want everyone to know who's watching this or listening to this. Like if you couldn't see it, Caroline did get emotional, almost cried and almost that's okay. I know. And, and I, I, I did feel bad in the moment and I wanted to make you feel better. And I think that shows that I am a human and I'm not we know just you're a robot. A human. Yeah. We are. And I think that one of the most beautiful things about our relationship is that we do see things differently. So while our values align on a diff- a lot of different things, we come at those values in two completely different ways. We operate in two completely different ways. And I think that it's just a freaking miracle that we happen to be two people who are willing to try to see it from the other person's perspective. And it's taken a lot of communication and a lot of conversations over the years to try and, it, and get there. And it will continue because we right. will have a jumpsuit situation come up again. I'm already s- thinking 30 days of jumpsuits might be. I would love it. I would <laughs> Maybe love I could it. just return them after. I would love it. We're minimalist. So or I'll just sell fun. them after or something. Or one jumpsuit and you just wear it 30 different ways. That'd be <laughs> That's fun. That's not how jumpsuits work. All right. You ready to uh, we'll go we, Diffie? We'll go we'll Diffie. What is it? We Google that for you. Explain it to the people while I get the thing oh. up who may have not have, you know, you got the, new you listeners. You mean the, the people don't binge watch? Um, for those of you who haven't joined us before, this is a segment called We Googled That For You Thank where you. <laughs> each of us brings something to the table that is sort of a random fact, a little, little known piece of trivia, and we pose that to the other person. The other person has a chance to answer. Uh, almost 100% incorrectly yeah. every episode. Yeah. And then we actually Google that fact for you and then you get to take it out into the world and share it as a nice little tidbit with your friend's family. You do. You get to be confident about it too because you heard it here first. Wow, yeah. tie-in. All right, Caroline. Uh, this, we Google that for you. I'm so bad at doing the answers. I hate it. Where, what do is ba- the origin do come from? of the chocolate chip cookie? The origin of the chocolate, the Cho Chip. Cho Chip cookie. The Cho Chip cookie. Yep. That would be in the country of Sweden. Okay. Semi-Swedish chocolate chips. Okay. This was a tradition where they could only find (laughs) a handful of ingredients, namely butter, sugar, (laughs) flour. Uh Are these the ingredients of cookies? I'm not the baker in our family. Am I thinking, does, is there flour in cookies? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. As the baker Wait. in our family, I am. I'm going a different route with this question and just saying, what are the ingredients of chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> Water. What year do you think chocolate chip cookies were invented? I think obviously 1852. Okay. And then Sweden was the country of location. That's correct. Because, no, Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. I meant Switzerland. Switzerland. Right, because they're I close. I got confused. They're close. Well, they both start with SW, and I think anyone, that's a known mistake. But because the Swiss are known for their chocolate. Yeah. That makes more sense. Wheat, water, wind, earth. earth fire. <laughs> we are chocolate chip cookies. Wheat, water. That's a missed opportunity. Eggs. All right. Eggs. Let's move. Can you Let's, tell me? Uh, no. Now I need to know. I'm going to go with the actual, we Googled that for you. Okay. The chocolate chip cookie was invented by the American chef. American chef Ruth Graves Wakefield Ruth. and Chef Sue Bridges in 1938. I thought they would have been older. Whoa. She invented, Ruth, uh, the recipe during the period when she owned the Toll House Inn, 
Funny enough, not related to Toll House, the brand. That can't be. That's crazy. That can't be. In Whitman, Massachusetts, I looked. In this era, the Toll House Inn was a popular restaurant that featured home cooking. It is often incorrectly reported that she accidentally developed the cookie and she expected the chunks would melt, making chopped cookies. In fact, she stated she deliberately invented the cookie. She said, we had been serving a thin butterscotch nut cookie with ice cream. Everyone seemed to love it, but I was trying to give them something different. Do it differently, Ruth. Do it differently, Ruth and Sue. So I came up with the quote unquote Toll House cookie. Okay. A hundred percent. I Toll House cookies. I looked. You're telling me. You're telling me. Because you're telling me that Toll House chocolate chip cookies are completely unrelated and coincidentally named, not having anything to do with the Toll House Inn of where the chocolate chip cookie was originated. Yes, because Toll Houses were just different places. Like they were little inns or little hotels or whatever. So there were lots of them. So like, but why would you not think that the chocolate chip cookie saying, brand would be referring to the Toll House Inn where the chocolate chip cookie was invented? Why would you not think that? Because I think, well, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Anyway, I do have the ingredients here uh, of of a chocolate oh, chip. Oh, interesting <laughs> subject change. Now that I, I outlined did try it, to look, I really did try to look if Toll House was Toll House Inn, and it definitively did not say this Toll House Inn where Ruth and Sue were. How? Hello. It definitively did not say. Right. So listen, I'm you're confident giving me about fake this. news here. <laughs> is what you're doing. I'm confident about this. All right. PolitiFact uh, would have a in this, day with you right now. In this uh, uh, this Wikipedia article, there is a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Can I name the ingredients? Uh, sure. Wheat. Oh, wheat? How about flour? That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you really do bake, don't wheat. you? <laughs> flour, eggs. Yes. Butter. Yes. Sugar. Uh, no, on no butter. butter. Sorry. Ooh. Sugar. Yeah. Water. Yes. Chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Chocolate chips. Yeah. Cho- Is that you it? You meant chocolate chip. Is that it? Vanilla. Vanilla. Baking soda. Baking soda. Uh, shortening. You need a fat of some sort. That's where butter would have been. Oh, okay. Well, that's Salt, because you Salt, need that chemical course. reaction with the baking soda. And brown sugar is hold the on, addition. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The salt interacts with the baking soda? Uh, That's why you add salt? From what I understand, I think I looked this up once. This is our next segment called Baking Via Audio. (laughs) I believe baking powder is a form of salt. Like it's similar in chemical makeup. But baking soda is different. And so baking soda and salt and baking powder cause this like blooming reaction. We can Google that for you later too. Okay. Guess who... I do not have a ton of confidence in <laughs> you because you are the, you bullshit with the best of them. And, I do. and, I really and do. you, Hey, can we just also take a moment to th- just thank Sue and Ruth, and Ruth for putting together the first chocolate chip cookie in 1938 at the, at the toll house Inn in Massachusetts. We can do that. But fun fact for everyone at home, I do not like sweets, uh, but you do like my vegan cookie dough balls, which I make on Fine. the regular. And I guess we wouldn't have those if we didn't have the chocolate chip Did you chip have cookie. one 30 minutes ago? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. All right, let's wrap up this episode. Let's hold hands. Okay. I love you. Uh, this episode brought to you by pain and suffering. <laughs> this episode brought to you by... Painful memories. Foxy Cleopatra. And a whole lot of women. Really want to watch Austin Powers now. No, no, you don't. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Wandering Aimfully, the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you're a glutton for punishment and we love <laughs> you for it. Leave a review on iTunes if that's something you want to do. Also, we have a membership community, which we mentioned. If you're feeling maybe low on confidence, maybe you're like you've been looking for a group of people that you can 
can hang out with that could help motivate you, inspire you, move you forward. Maybe you want to hang around with us. Maybe you want to start a small group of jumpsuit wearing people who want to wear jumpsuits. Head over to wanderinggamefully.com slash join. We open up registration every month and we only have 30 spots available each month. So we would love to have you join if it feels like a good fit to you. And you can chat with us and we can talk business. We can talk jumpsuits. We can talk. It's a safe space. Recipes. Chocolate chip cookie recipes. I've shared my vegan cookie dough recipe with everybody. That is true. So that's a bonus. You get that. Uh, All right. That's it. We like your faces. Bye. Bye.